Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 76 with Dave and Mark. Uh, tonight's special guest is Rhett Schull. Rhett's got an awesome YouTube channel, great band, great musician. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm well, man. Thank you guys uh, for having me. I was talking to you briefly last night, Mark, and um, I just want to say it, it genuinely is like a really big honor <laughs> for me to be on the show. Oh, uh, thanks, man. I've been I've been watching for a long time, so it's it's really really cool to be here. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, man. It, yeah. it all started with just we decided that we wanted to do a show to shoot the shit with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we and, are, uh, man. And, and boy, some shows we've shot the shit. <laughs> <laughs> seen them. I've been there. Yeah. 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 For long long hours. Well, cheers. Happy Friday to everybody who's watching. Yeah. Uh, I'm just drinking water tonight, but you're drinking. What are you drinking, Rhett? Uh, so this is some Bullet Ten Year, and I'm trying that out. And then when this is done, I've got uh, some Russell Reserve Ten Year as well. Uh, See, I've never, I've never heard of Russell's Reserve. It's pretty good. I think it's, um, it's made by Wild Turkey. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and they're both around like this Bullet and the Russells. I think are right around like the forty dollar range. You know, so. You know, have ourselves a little shootout tonight and see, see which one is is better. Which one comes? Oh, well, I feel I, I feel a little bit uh, behind here. I I, I only have eight one eight brewing, good day IPA. Nice eight one eight. It's like a pedal. Uh, well, but then we have <laughs> Matador Red eight one eight. Is the red? That's not an IPA, right? What is that? No, it's just a Matador. It's like a red red ale. You know. Oh, okay. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Like this, this one though, the, the good day IPA is 9.2%. So good night IPA is what it should be called. I think somebody's correcting me in the comments. I guess Buffalo Trace makes Russell's Reserve. Let me see here. Hmm. I can just lead it. No, it is Wild Turkey. I'm right. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so apparently they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were just saying they're drinking Buffalo Trace. I don't well, know. That could be. Maybe. That could be. That could be. Sorry, and we they, don't we don't read the comments very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, in this new environment that we're using, um, they flow by quick. Hmm. And BV sent me a uh, instructions on how to how to do the slow chat. Yeah, and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. I guess I really am officially old because I, I was like, I cannot figure out how to do this. Slow um, chat's a thing, man, and and shout out to BV. He's a, a a regular over on my live streams as well. Um, and so yeah, the slow chat it, it is like a threshold. Once there gets to be enough people, it's like you can't you just can't read everything, and then it gets weird. It's like you, you feel like you're. It feels like now there's a bunch of people in the room, whereas like when you can read everything, it just feels like you're kind of hanging out with people, which I I much prefer. Right. Pretty much what we have to do is like if there's any uh, super chats, Mark, is pretty much answer them as soon as they pop up. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise they go away. Yeah. I agree. Then, then you don't answer uh, you very nice viewers that have sent us money and we don't get to answer. Sure, it. They go away. Uh-oh. Yeah. We, feel, we feel shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, I felt. I felt badly. There were a few that we that got left out of Steve Lukather's show, and um, but thankfully, a few folks posted them in the, the the comments of the video, and I got them answered from Steve. He was nice enough to. 
Pete Thorne with his, because uh, he uses the same platform, he just screenshots the, the, the super chats. That's not a bad <laughs> idea. Along, and then he just starts, then he goes back and go back to them. That's a good idea. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I know you can, you can literally sit there just the key command on your thing and screenshot yep. it. Yep. Oh, well, yeah, that's the key commands. Now you're going way beyond my tech. I, I just take my phone out and take a screen. <laughs> actually, Pete, Pete actually takes the picture with his phone. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's on the same level. of Screenshot. It's just, you know, you know. Right. <laughs> we're, we're talking real low, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Janice La, uh, Lala, um, thanks for watching. She said, I'm still watching the replay of Luke there. Yeah, um, uh, he he talks fast. You have to, uh, you have to. Uh, there's little nuggets of information that he spewed <laughs> out of his mouth very quickly. Totally. No, that was fun. But um, so, Rhett, how how'd you get into uh, your channel? You've been doing the channel a long time, right? About two and a half years. Yeah. Um, oh, I, th I thought I thought longer for some reason. No, I, I I've had a YouTube channel since like 2009. But it was a, uh, you know, it was when I signed up for it so I could watch. Um, uh, does anybody remember those Kimbo Slice videos? Speaking of Florida, it's like this dude that used to they used to have like backyard brawls. <laughs> I remember being in, oh, in yeah. school, and it was a huge thing to go watch Kimbo Slice videos on YouTube, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Really, and, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, and so that, that was like early days of YouTube before people really knew what it was or what it could be. So I signed up for an account then and uh, kind of messed around with making videos here and there. Every couple of years, I'd get a wild hair and like, oh, I'm going to swap a speaker in my Blues Junior and make a video about it and then wouldn't post another video for eight or nine months. And um, it came from, I, I was interning at uh, Rick Beato's studio and uh, he started his YouTube channel back in like 2016, I think it was July, something of 2016. And, um, I had always, I I've always been a huge YouTube fan. Like it's, it's been my number one source of, uh, like media consumption for years. I don't really watch Netflix or anything else. It's all YouTube. And so I, I had wanted to make videos for a really, really long time. And then when I saw Rick start to develop a, a following and his channel started growing. I was like, and I was on a touring gig at the time touring out with a band out of Nashville and that band broke up. And so I was uh, living with my wife down in Atlanta in Decatur. And we had a little house down there and I was off the road for a while and didn't have anything lined up. And so I figured that was as good a time as any. And that was January of 2018 is when I decided, okay, I am, I am a YouTuber now. I just start making videos. I had no subscribers or no views or anything, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's where it started, and I haven't stopped since. That's awesome, right? Yeah, and I, if I got the story right, weren't you the one who kind of pushed uh, Rick to start his channel? Yeah, man. I, I it, it kind of happened organically. So I met Rick in 2012 or 2013. I was playing with a, an artist here in Atlanta. And they went and did a record at Rick's. And that was when I met him and his assistant, uh, Ken Lanyon, who we call GL. And that was my first time really being in a recording studio environment. And I loved it. I absolutely fell in love with being in the studio and stuff. So I asked them after that session, I was like, hey, could I start coming by and hanging out? 
and they were cool with it. And that turned into an internship. And I worked there for, you know, a few years and played on a bunch of records. And that's how I ended up getting the touring gig in Nashville. That band came down to Rick's to make a record and I played on the record and that all, all happened. And then, um, but ever, as long as I've known Rick, he's always been that sort of like, uh, very transparent and wanting to teach people and wanting to share information. And it just made sense, man. He, he had been doing these like Facebook live streams and Periscope live streams at the time where he would sit for like three hours with one or two people watching on Periscope <laughs> and just talk. He'd sit in his control room and just talk. And so he did that for a few weeks. And I finally came into the studio one day and I was like, man, you should think about starting a YouTube channel. And uh, he did and just took off with it, man. I think in his first year, he made like 400 something videos. I mean, it's wow. just wow. went, you know? Yeah. And then it just took off from there. That's yeah. crazy. Well, yeah. you've got quite, you've got quite a following also. So uh, nothing to, you know, sneeze at. Um, <laughs> so uh, Albus Band. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, super chat. Repaying some what I drank from Dave's booth in January. You're all legends and Rhett's a good dude. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. I know Albus. He's a good guy. Uh, Albus is one of those guys that we all, you know, that like there's Nam friends, the people that you only ever see at Nam. You see him once yeah. or twice a year. Albus is, is one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going gonna, gonna to miss that. I yeah. tend not to remember those people because there's so many. <laughs> Unless they hand you a bottle of alcohol. Well, this is true. This is true. If 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 they do bring a bottle of alcohol to contribute to the uh, Nam bar, I probably will remember you. <laughs> I might not remember your name, but I will remember you're the guy that brought that bottle of, <laughs> you know. Well, right. uh, actually, Pisco. one of our regulars here, that bottle of Pisco. Right. <laughs> He'll know who he is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we have another super chat. Actually, just jumping right into uh, folks thoughts on Rickenbacker Martin Rios. Thanks for your super chat. Um, well, I'll reserve my thoughts. Uh, what do you think, Rhett? I really want one. I want, I want a Rickenbacker 12 string real bad. Uh, I think that's the one to have. Although yeah, you're going to have one. And, and I love like Tom Petty and, and I worship Mike Campbell. Um, if I could be any guitar player, I think I'd want to be Mike Campbell. And so the, the 12 string Rick is a, it's a pretty crucial sound for a lot of that stuff. You know, yeah. I agree. You're going to, you're going to hate yourself when you have to restring it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a Dan Electro 12 string that, um, yep. I got recently and it's, I'll never restring it. I'll just, but I'll particularly just... awful with the Rick <laughs> offset. So I'll tell you a story about that. Yeah, yeah, because of the way the tuners are and everything. But the, the story about that is, uh, so uh, when I was 18 years old, I was working for Andy Brower's Studio Rentals in Los Angeles. And so at the time, you know, this was a, the heyday of sessions and heyday of rentals and everything else. So, you know, they have every known guitar, known to mankind, vintage, everything, Rick Rickenbacker 12s, Rickenbacker 6s, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And as employees, it was our job when the guitars came back from rentals, to restring them. So, and uh, learn to do it properly and learn to do, you know, intonation and everything, you know, complete maintenance on it. And that guitar, th th if there was a pile of six to eight guitars to restring in a pile, 
that guitar always got pushed to the last. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone took every other guitar but that, but eventually someone had to do it. And man, is it a bitch. Yeah. In particular, a Rickenbacker with the way the tuners are. Mm. Oh, man. I don't wish that. I, I have nightmares about that. I, I'll never own one of those just because of that. Yeah. <laughs> or just give it to somebody. That they and the other thing about the Rickenbackers that I hate is um, it's a great sound. It, it, it's, a, it's a unique individual tone. But um, the way they do the lacquer on the boards and the way it comes up to on the frets, essentially... Can't stand that. I remember one time uh, a luthier friend of mine had to refret one. And when he refretted it, you know, he took down the, the lacquer buildup and everything and then refretted it and made it all pretty. And, and oh, my God, it was like, oh, now this is really great. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? right. Well, that's my biggest pet peeve. When I was at NAMM, uh, I made a point to go to the Rickenbacker booth and really – try to do because they didn't have any lefties there unfortunately um that's my plight my 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 uh my issue wherever i go but but for the most part i, I you know i wanted to just check the necks and just see what kind of quality we we're talking about and i was a bit disappointed on how sharp the edges were on their necks mm. or the fret work um it, it, it's not that great yeah it was it was like uh, you know for the money that you're spending but but like you said though I would want a 12 string. Mm -hmm. We're going to get it. But other than that, or, or whatever model that is that John Lennon had mm -hmm. the black one. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just didn't think the quality was really there. Well, just my memory isn't on the Ricks, the high string first too. You mean on the, the 12? High, on like, the Rick 12? I think they, flipped it. I think, it's, I think it's reversed on the Rick. Gives that Beatles, yeah, set. which I think it's the, the higher string is first. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, it was a long time. Right. I haven't even touched one since like maybe you're right years ago. You know, maybe that's but, your PTSD from having to restring them. Absolutely, the no. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other one I always loved was the Fender Electric Twelve with the hockey stick. Yeah, that that so guitar cool. always sounded really cool and it felt really good, especially if it was like a. So, you know, like a old one. Yeah, those are underrated, man. Wasn't uh, Bonamassa buying up a bunch of those recently? I think I, I saw mine somewhere. He was buying up a bunch of the old uh, Fender 12s. Mm. Uh, so, are yes, there other we there, there, at the rental company? There was a candy apple red one from the 60s, Ooh. and it was just unbelievably cool. It, even uh -huh. the neck felt amazing, like you know, a great 60s strat or something. Are the Rickenbackers nowadays made overseas or are they made here in the States? I have no idea. Grover Jackson worked for Rickenbacker for a while. Yeah. Really? Um, you know, I I think if I recall that they, they had both, but I you know, I'm not, I can't say definitively. Right. Price uh, might tell. What's that? I don't even know how much they are. Well, yeah, I mean, if you like twelve string is at least two thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure and they're not cheap. No, they're not. Out. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure, but um, you know who just got a 12 string? You know, Vinny Moretti, Dave. Yeah, he got a 12 string Taylor, which oh, cool. is which is strung like the Rickenbacker, so it oh. has that Beatles sound. It's not strung like your typical 12 string. Wow. Oh. 
uh, people are saying they're still made in the USA. So that's good. Okay. That, that justifies the price a little bit more. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine the other day um, about Duesenberg guitars that, and I was surprised that do you guys know that Duesenberg they're made in Korea. They're not like made in Germany. Mm Mm-hmm. We were talking about that on a live stream and people started commenting like a a bunch of people started commenting that they didn't know that. And I I always kind of considered that as common knowledge. But I think when you look at their marketing and stuff, they don't they're not very uh, forward about it and they sell it as made in Germany. But it's actually like assembled in Germany. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course, the name is very German, very German. Right. So, I mean, uh... Ultimately, depending on the price and what you're paying for something, will tell you if where it's made. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how, I don't even, I don't even haven't paid attention to Duesenberg for a while. I mean, how much is a Duesenberg guitar? They're priced like they're made in Germany. Oh, yeah, like mm-hmm. I, I think they're cool. Um, I have a lot of friends that play them, but they're not, they're not priced at a Korean-made guitar um, price point let's say well, the, the question is how much of it is done in germany like i mean like yeah at, at what point i mean are the parts made overseas and then are they painted and assembled and finished and everything else in germany or i have no idea are coming out of a box i mean they're, they're, there's a big difference there there's a huge difference they say that they're assembled in germany and this discussion that, that my friend and i were having it's like assembled could mean Literally, they're shipping just raw bodies and necks from, sure. and then they're painting and yeah. finishing and fretting and everything or, else. Which in or, turn, or, which in or, turn, yeah, yeah. Or it could mean that they're getting done guitars and they're putting the pickups in. Yeah, and slapping tuners on and, and doing you know, it and stringing it and setting it up. Yeah, right. Uh, it's well, it. You know, it's hard to say. Um, well, that's what PRS does with their overseas guitars, right? They're built well, you know, over in the U.S. <laughs> in the U.S., there's a whole different thing. You can't, you can't say like for amps, for instance, you can't say made in USA. Why not? Because um, in order to get the made in USA mark, you have all the parts—not all the parts, but there's a certain percentage of the parts that have to be also manufactured in. The United States and in electronics, that that there there are no electronic parts manufactured in the United States practically. So, yeah, possible. Yeah. So yes, our chassis are made here. Yes, our transformers are made here. Who knows where the steel comes from? But um, uh, you know everything else, all the capacitors, all the everything, everything, everything's made overseas. You know. Uh, well, except our Synergy Muster Caps. They're USA made, too. So, hey, here we go. Mm. But so what do you claim? How do you claim that instead of made in the USA for Friedman amps, what do you say? You have to be assembled assembled in Los okay. Angeles, assembled mm. in the U.S., uh, I see. Uh, made in Los Angeles. or Yeah, but I think the assembled. And built in Los Angeles. Any of those things will work. You can't do it or you will get fined some crazy amount of money. Yeah. Because you can do it with your guitars, though, right? Your guitars are USA made. Well, yeah, but no, but not the parts, not yeah. the bobbins, not the not pickguard material, not the bridge, not the. Yeah, are, y'all are building the guitars. Yeah, like, but yeah. we're building the amps here too. So yeah, 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 right. But the thing I was gonna say is like, I think 
amps are a little bit different because people understand, you know, assembling an amp, like people aren't expecting you to be like actually making the capacitors and resistors. Yourself. No, I, no, I understand that. Yeah. But I'm just, I was just stating a point is that you can't, you can't say made in USA. Right. That's no crazy, man. product That's, can yeah. say made in USA because nothing is made here. Yeah, like all the Wampler pedals, right? I think they say hand built. Can't say made in USA. Hand built in the USA or something like that. Yeah, you can say that. You can't because otherwise you get this huge fine. You don't want that fine. The fine is ridiculous. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. That is, as Aaron Cram says, that is sad. How how, how we put it (laughs) is um, assembled in Los Angeles from parts all over the world. (laughs) <laughs> not wrong official things and which is exactly what it is because i mean even even if you get a usa made pot like a cts pot is supposedly a usa made pot no they're not made here mm-hmm. it's a usa company but it's it the pots are made elsewhere and and if not the pots then the assemblies for the pots and then they assemble them you know right. so it's you know i meant to do this glass slide thank you for the super chat Thank you. Really appreciate it. Good username. Yeah. That is, if I use the slide. I think my favorite username is unfucking believable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see some good ones in my comments that I've actually screenshotted a few. Um, and the best are if somebody leaves like a really shitty comment on something, and but they have a great username. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Right. It's like, yeah, really, let's, like talk it's, about, let's talk it's about it. Let's talk about comments. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Everyone's an expert, man. We've gotten some some doozies over the past week and a half, two weeks, since uh, the Bob Rock and and Steve look at their shows. Um, oh, have we? Oh, yeah. I just, <laughs> you know, I just got, I, I, and I'll, people will hear me. I just delete it. I just, mm-hmm. I read it, and I delete it. That, that's- I, do, I do the same thing, man. I don't, I don't, unless and now I don't delete, like if it's a critical comment, I, I leave it up. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, you know, constructive criticism or even just non-constructive criticism, but there's a difference between like a critical comment and someone just being a, a, off their meds. Yeah. <laughs> my God. So the, the thing that we've run into recently on my channel is we, I started doing a, a live show down here uh, from the home studio and, because of the pandemic, we're, you know, we have people in a crowded space. We're just wearing masks, not a political statement or anything like that. It's just, hey, the CDC recommends that you wear masks. So that's what we're going to do. And the level of just unbridled vitriol and hate that I've gotten from people that think I'm trying to shove like some kind of political ideology down their throat. It's like, man, I just I just want to play music with my friends and right and now. The and safe way. Yeah, it's just the safest way to do it. So I don't like. Yeah. Good. That's the way you should do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, you just care about your health, care about your family. Right. I mean, I I have my opinions about this, and I don't know if I want to voice them or not. But, but I mean, you know, just just wear the fucking mask and shut up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Just just wear it. Deal with it, and Jeez. it's not that much of an inconvenience for you. Yeah, come on, you put on underwear, and, and whether whether that, and let me let me state something: whether or not 
that mask is doing anyone any good or not? I don't really know. I'm not a doctor. But you know what? Who cares? Yeah. I went to the liquor store to get this beer right before I went. I had a mask on. California is different. I think everyone in California is wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, you know, of course, some people that are, are, you know, skirting that a little bit. But, but like pretty much everyone's pretty respectful going in the, you know, in the uh, stores and everything. And they're all wearing masks, the occasional, you know, fruitcake that isn't. But <clears throat> just wear the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how we're, yeah, we're running into that here too. Buy a mask you like, whatever. It's how hard yeah. is it? Hang it in your window of your car and just like put it on when you walk in the store. Yeah. You're in the store for a short period of time. Go yeah. on. It's, it's take fine. it off back when you get in the car. Great. Yeah. You, you, you'll be fine. I promise. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doctors have been doing it for years. Oh, yeah. My, my wife works uh, in the in the dental world has for like the last six and a half seven years and has worn a mask every day yeah she's, right. she's fine every day before yep. the, before the pandemic so yeah. yeah yeah and you know and you know I, so you know everyone can jump on me but i won't disagree you know i won't go back on what i just said <laughs> i don't think you should man and i think and look I don't, i'm not trying to make this a political discussion at all no it's, Neither are we, and I don't want to get get into this, you know. And it's it's your choice. It shouldn't be a political discussion. Well, right, and that's my point. It's like the the comment thing was, you know, that's not what we were trying to do. It's but people took it as if we were trying to force some sort of political agenda, or or, or they felt attacked. And uh, some of the comments that we got from people were just unbelievable. Now, unbelievable. So. But that's part of the game, man. It's part of being on the internet. You know, if you're going to choose to put yourself out there in front of people, and especially on a platform that um, allows, you know, anonymity and people can kind of hide behind their username and their keyboard, they're going to say whatever whatever they want. And I think they should be able to, you know, it's, it's a, a kind of a freedom thing and you just kind of have to take it with the territory, I think. You know, if you're going to get on the internet, you're kind of stepping into the lion's den, I think. There's no doubt about it, you know, and um, <laughs> Wait, we, we got we got we got great comments, all pro mask wearing here. Uh, Buzz Wilson, I'm an RN, spent the time working uh, in Oregon. We wear masks there f- f- for a very good reason. It keeps hang on. It keeps moving I got because, because they help prevent the spread of all microorganisms. Just wear the mask and shut up. Yep. <laughs> yep Thank <sir>. you. <laughs> Couldn't and during the 1980s, here's another one, Mike, uh, uh, bleed, uh, bleed so, bled so, something. Uh, during the 1918 pandemic in America, if you didn't wear a mask, you went to jail. <laughs> Which is maybe what should happen in this country. I don't I know. Mean, it's getting to the point. Around Atlanta, it, it started off really slow. People weren't wearing masks. They weren't paying attention. And then Georgia, like, we've, we've spiked real hard in the past few weeks and um i think it finally got people's attention i've i've now noticed in the past probably two weeks every time i go out most people are wearing masks now um which is a good thing and now we're starting to kind of flatten out but here's the thing man like i want to get back to being able to travel and play shows and yeah wear a mask i mean come on wear a fucking mask hell even if you start doing shows or or you're in a position where you can do a show wear a mask 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have to sing. Well, that is the, thing, that is the trouble, trouble we're having is we're singing and having to sing through a mask has been tough. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. So it's not the end of the world, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, by the way, this is a great name, Kelster Von Schredster. <laughs> um, Mark, you guys made up for your transgressions. Thanks for getting my, my answer from Luke. Uh, no problem, man. I'm glad, thanks for your super chat and glad I could do it. Yeah, if we ever miss a super chat, people, please, um, please tell us, and we will get the answer for you. We will answer it in some fashion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Stephen Douglas, minus the electronics, aren't Freeman guitars completely made in the USA? Doesn't the wood even come from the U.S.? Oh yes, the wood does. I don't know. <sighs> Who knows? I don't know where all the wood comes from. I'm not oh, sure. Really? I mean, to be honest, I mean, I mean, it's bought from U.S. wood. Most likely the wood's coming from the U.S., yes. You guys are um, using uh, mostly alder and yeah. swamp ash? Alder, alder. No, swamp ash is out because there's some crazy bug or something that's going on and it's jeopardizing the, the ash trees or something. Uh-oh. So it's a it's an issue right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly alder, to be honest. Alder, maple, uh, rosewood. Rosewood's not from here. Right. Um... um yeah, but when you think about the guitar, for instance, like you, you, if you if you take this apart, so okay, let's say the wood is from here, maybe not all of it. Uh, tuners aren't from here. Mm-hmm. The Floyd Rose is not made well, maybe in Germany, so but it's still not from here, right? Um, the uh, the pickup bobbins aren't made here. Mm-hmm. The magnets might be made here. The base plates probably aren't made here. The pots probably aren't made here. The knobs definitely aren't made here. The jacks aren't made here. So basically not much. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if there's any manufacturer that's saying that their guitars are made in the U.S. A Switchcraft jack is made in Mexico. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so when I say assembled from parts all over the world, I mean it. It's all over the world. The bridge might be German. The the, the tuners are Japanese. The, The, you know, the jack is Mexico and it's yeah. like that with everything though i mean it's like you know nothing in your tv is made here right nothing in your toaster is made here mm-hmm. nothing in your dishwasher is made here probably <laughs> half of your car is even if it's an american car is not made here mm-hmm. all the uh, computer assemblies and wiring harnesses and uh various other parts in your car are made somewhere else yeah even if it's an American car. Crazy. I mean, um, the way it is, man. L. Scott Music. Why isn't GNL more loved? Can be great guitars, but have lackluster resale value. Well, that's always been the biggest issue with GNL is the resale value, but they're great guitars. I've got a GNL Legacy, great guitar. Yeah, they're made good. You know, you know, I have a funny thing about guitars. So what makes a a great guitar? or a just a mediocre guitar is really about the fine details and finishing. Mm. So meaning the fret work on the guitar, the little details, the little rounded over neck edges, the little details. So the difference between a Squire Strat and and a Boutique Strat, hardware to hardware, well, other than pickups or a better bridge or this or that, 
this is not really much difference. It's really about how the guitar is finally finished and, and the attentions to detail with the frets and the, and, and the, the part selection and the, the everything else, you know, wood is wood is wood. So how do you finish it? I think, I think a great guitar is sort of, you're right. It, it, I think there is something to do with really good raw materials, but a piece of alder is a, a piece of alder is a piece of alder. Yeah. Um, it comes from, I think it's a cumulative thing of getting a bunch of little details right along the way mm-hmm. that come into a great guitar. And it's, I think what makes the difference between like an $800 guitar and like a $2,500 guitar is yeah, I think the materials are a little bit better and higher quality, but it's also the time taken on the Seven. little processes and the details. The fret work is a huge one. Yeah. Making sure the bridge is in the right place. I can't tell you how many like how many guitars I've played that t- didn't intonate right, be- and you couldn't intonate them because the bridge was just wrong. It was just in the wrong place because somebody was. They had probably thirty guitars to do that day, or hundred guitars to do, or whatever it was, and they just were flying through it. You know, um, right. I think that's what people like. Whether they realize it or not i think that's what when you pick up a really great guitar and it resonates with you i think it's a result of a bunch of little things that were done right along the way the finish is a huge one Mm -hmm. the setup you know all that stuff yeah yeah it all adds up it's that that final 10 15 percent whatever it is that gives it you know the edge and for me i i love look i love fender guitars you know, I, that's where it all started. Uh, but GNL makes great stuff. Mm. They really do. Uh, we got a great uh, comment from Cheddar Kung Pao, who's always watching these videos and is a great supporter. What's up, Cheddar? Uh, the negative people are a noisy but small group. Most of this community is awesome. I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree with Guitar that. Our players are uh, are an opinionated group of individuals. I would I would say probably the most opinionated and most vocal of any um, group of musicians out there. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe the the only, the only downside that I see with guitarists in general is that there's just so much competition. Mm. It was better, you know, this better, so much competition anymore. I think there used to be more competition. Yeah, well, that's years true. ago. Years ago, I find that there was more. That goes way back. I was talking to my friend Dave Black about that, and it's like there were there were like you know way back, say in the eighties and stuff. There the competition was crazy, man. It was like it was uh, it was crazy. Just the one guy had to outdo the other guy. This guy's doing this, and that guy's that, and it all started with Van Halen, right? <laughs> you know, and and then it's everyone was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know what do i do now <laughs> well it almost seems to the point now it's a, you know the internet sensations these instagram guitar players and you know people are trying to show up everybody that's it you know that's the competition that way as well although it's not particularly stated you know i want to say something though that's that's probably not uh look if you don't get to play with a band on a regular basis, 
you might have chops and you might be good and proficient at your guitar, but you're not put into a situation that really challenges you because it's all controlled. And, um, you know, a great musician is really been played for years with bands, yeah. bands after bands after bands. And, you know, your, 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 your skills come from that experience. If you don't yeah. have that experience, although you can technically play a million miles an hour or great, but, you know, throw some chord changes and play over some chord changes to that that are foreign to you and you're going to fall on your face. The biggest you strides know, forward I've ever had as a guitar player have never come from like hours spent in my basement practicing or like working on technique or skills or anything like that. It's always come from time spent like rehearsing for a tour where you're you're in a rehearsal space for 11 hours a day for five days straight playing with people and and trying to arrange and trying to get things right trying to you know recording the stuff listening back to it every time i've been in that situation um it's it's been incredibly beneficial for my playing in my musicianship you know mm -hmm. it's uh it's one thing it is. I think you're right. It is one thing to be a, a great Instagram guitar player. And it's a different thing to be a great like live guitar player or somebody who can play on a session or play on a record or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or play, play with other people basically. Yeah. We, uh, we brought that up in the, in the Luke um, tone talk, you know, it, it was like um, those, I mean, they were hired to come in and here's the track. Uh, I don't know. It's in the key of G. Yeah. Okay. Uh, put something on it. But right. literally, it's put on the spot in the moment, uh, coming up with a part off the top of your head. You know, whatever they're hearing at the moment in, in this track. And I saw that a million times. I saw that with uh, Dan Huff, mm -hmm. where I remember specifically one, this one particular session we were at, and they, they pulled up the track. They didn't even tell them anything about it. They just pulled up the track. What would you put here? And and literally within the next 15 minutes, he had he's playing along to just the track and and all of a sudden he's popping these parts in and you're hearing, you know, a blank slate and then all of a sudden you're hearing these parts and you're like, "Oh my god, that's amazing." Yeah. <laughs> you know, but within minutes yeah. Not not dicking with it for days or not thinking about it. Mm. It's literally on the right on the edge. Boom, done. It's just genius to be able to do that. And, that and, and, and doing that, the kind of monster of a player it takes to do that kind of stuff that quickly and come yeah. up with the perfect part that you know goes on the hit record, or at least in the old days, the hit record. Um, you know. Um, those guys That's are my crazy hero. man. That's mind blowing. Yeah, th those guys are my like Tim Pierce, uh, Bukovac, mm -hmm. you know, uh, John Shanks. Like all those guys are yeah. are heroes of mine for for that reason. It's it's I think it's that what you just said, Dave, of being able to come up with the part, but it's also getting the right tone instantly yeah. because it's it's a two it's a two 
sided uh, two sides of the same coin. It's like you got to have the right part, but you also got to have the right sound, and you got to come up with the right part and the right sound and execute it in like one or two takes and move yeah. on. Yeah, you know the the funny thing is I I, I um, I've done a lot of studio work getting guitar sounds for you know guitar bands and guitar players in the studio and things, and uh, what what it comes down to if someone had to ask me. All right, I'm building a studio for guitar, basically, you know. And what are the amps I should have, um, you know, to do this? What are the mic preamps I should have? And I go, well, you should have a Neve and an API. You should have both. Yep. Then you should have a uh, a blackface Fender of some sort. You should have a uh, like a copper top vintage Vox AC30. You should have a old vintage Marshall, like four input style Marshall, like Plexi style, early 70s style Marshall. And then if you do it or if you need it, you should have one higher gain amp. Mm. Now, there's some honorable mentions in there, like a high watt. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a silver tone or something for oddball things. Right. But pretty much the four amps I mentioned you can do everything with yep and you will have all the guitar sounds at your disposal period the way i've always heard it said is there's three flavors of amp and <laughs> only three really if you boil it down and maybe maybe dave you think something different but you know it's fender vox marshall if it doesn't yeah. fall under one of those three categories it's you know something completely different. Yeah, I think high watt stands outside a little bit and and you know that's 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 kind of a, a slightly different tone and and I also you know and then the high gain territory if you do that kind of work um you know that that's that's open to depending on what style of you know if it's a rectifier or a diesel or a soldano or a friedman or a right right you know it depends on what sort of high gain you're talking and what you what kind of work you do? Yeah. Orange and high watt. Yeah, I that that orange is a uh, an AD thirty from the early two thousands. One of the single channel AD thirties, and that to me is basically it's an AC thirty with more balls. Yeah, that's basically it's EL eighty four power section. Yep. Yeah, you know. Yep. Mm. But I mean, pretty much like if you if you were just buying from scratch, let's say you didn't have any amps, and you know you know get a basement head mm -hmm. get a vintage ac30 just spend the money on it get a vintage ac30 top boost and get a old marshall i mean you can yeah early 70s non-circuit board and and then get a high gainer whichever one of choice right. so i want to ask you about the marshall thing because i'm actually kind of in the market i i don't i've never owned any kind of marshall um and I really, really, well, I, I feel like I need one. <laughs> and nowadays, like with things like the Ox, and it, it actually, it. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, okay, now you can get away with having a 100-watt head sure. uh, on a gig or at the studio or whatever. So what's, in your opinion, if you're going to have one Marshall to rule them all, what, what are you looking for? What are you getting? I mean, you can probably do it with a 50-watt. A are you talking vintage or new? Vintage, vintage fifty watt. Um, you know what? You don't necessarily need the hundred. It might be overkill, especially if you are, you know, 
you know, slamming it into the ox or something. You know, you don't necessarily have to have the 100 watt. Uh, I mean, the best bang for the buck would be an early 70s, like 72-ish, 50-watt Marshall, but it's going to have to be serviced. Yeah. Um, and it's going to have to have the right spec because the specs on those amps are all over the place. Mm. So, I mean, you know, they can be anywhere from a little more like JTM 45 spec, like super bassy, so fat and uh, classic, or they could be super lead-like, which are is more cutting and uh, bright, you know. Um, so I can help you with that. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for one, I can help you find one. I, I am looking for one. I, um, I can service it for you too, so. Yeah, actually, actually, Rick, uh, a couple months ago, bought it's 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 museum grade, uh, a seventy one JMP. Uh, compl- mm-hmm. I don't know where he found it or uh, who owned it before him, but it's it's like never been touched. It looks mm-hmm. brand new, um, and it sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so that would be a super lead. That's a hundred watt that he has. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that would be a super lead. 100 from that era would definitely be a super lead spec on the bright channel channel one yep um that's generally what you want out of the marshall so yeah um, i think you guys did a video about that with that amp yeah we did it was awesome <laughs> yeah i think i saw that hey we got to jump to the super chats because we're we're behind mm-hmm. way behind um martin rios what are your thoughts on fender versus gibson i personally think they both have their own place in certain situations I agree, man. I, I love both. Um, I actually put out a video today that is essentially my um, love letter to the Strat. I've never been like a big, uh, never been a Strat guy per se, but I've started playing it more recently, tuned down a half step, and it just a Strat tuned to E flat makes all the sense in the world. I feel like that's how all oh, Strat yeah. should just they should just come that way, and you should just leave them there that we should just accept as a guitar community that strats should always be an E or, or D tune down a, a whole uh, step. But um, I love Gibson's man. If I had to choose one or the other, I would, I would have to say, I mean, to me, if I'm going to have one guitar to do everything, it's a 335. And you know, oh, that's great. That's, that's where I'm at. That's cool. I mean, for me that I'm not, a, I'm not particularly Gibson guy. Mm. Um, I don't really like Les Pauls that much. I, I don't. I don't find them very comfortable to play. I grew up playing Strats and 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 Strat Tellies and things like that. Um, although my ideal of the perfect guitar is a kind of a super Strat, which would be more like a humbucker with a couple single coils, right? Like um, major. So it kind of get crosses the lines a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Ideally, you know, a maple neck strat with a humbucker in the bridge, two single coils, regular trim, locking tuners. That would be like my thing. I like that. Yeah. Um, um I do like 335s, though, I must say. I, I, I like that more than a Les Paul. I do, too. I think they're the best guitar Gibson's ever made. And Les Paul's yeah. are, are great. Uh, but I, I they're re- you can't really play them sitting, or at least I can't. I can't play them sitting down. Sitting down. But- Right. I'm tall. I'm like yeah. six foot three. And so I always end up with my Les Paul on my lap. I end up hunching over it like this. 
And then after about 10 minutes, my back hurts and it's, it kills me. But a 335 for me on my lap sitting down is the perfect position. The lower bout is right where it needs to be. And the neck is just in the perfect, I can play it all day. Mm, right. right. You know? I agree. It's, it's a really comfortable guitar to play sitting down. My yeah. But standing up, my problem with the 335, at least I was having a hard time with the way the strap button is on the back of the neck. Yeah. And the way it sits when you when you stand. It I felt, agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, it felt very weird for me. Yeah. yeah you right in the stomach, like right in the like belt buckle. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's just a strange placement for that. But but hey. Um, we have another super chat, Harmonicaster. Thanks for the super chat. How does Dave see the future of music instrument industry post-pandemic? Of the music in instrument industry post-pandemic, will brick and mortar stores survive? How will the amp business do? Well, you know, frankly, uh, uh, there is more business than we never knew what to do with. Um, in fact, there might be more business um, since the pandemic. Um, there's no lull in in sales. And a lot of retailers will tell you the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, are the mon paw stores hurting more? Maybe, um, but if they, you know, if they had their internet sales going and stuff going, they're doing fine. Um, I, I I think if anything, it's it it's inspired more people to you know, if they're a player to sit down and hey have more time and they're and they're sitting there trying to learn stuff and and do stuff and they want to buy stuff. Um, I think it's also inspired some people to pick up the guitar because they have a lot of time in their hands. Yeah. Um, um, you know, what else are you going to do? Right. I mean, I find that everyone is thinking about their gear. Um, they're thinking about their pedal board or they're thinking about their amps and, and emailing me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, apparently these people are employed. So, Right. Um, with extra time on their hands and probably extra money because they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, at least I know I'm not. Right. Uh, yeah. Other than working. <laughs> right. Working and playing. I wish I had some more time for myself to do stuff that I want to do myself. <laughs> mm. But, you know. What would that be? Just out of curiosity. Well, I, I mean, just build my own pedal board or build my own, you know, something. And I don't have time for that. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, I, I always start them and they just sit there for a while and don't get done. Cause here's someone paid $10 to ask you a question about their amp. Um, hello, Dave, 2016 small box making harmonic sounds. Mike Bilson, by the way, um, while palm muting. Played same through a rocker verb and fine. Could this be a preamp valve or power valve issue? I'm not sure what you mean by harmonic sounds. That 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 does not ring a bell to me, so I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Um, you're hearing like a rattle or a tube rattle, or are you hearing an octave? Or I'm not sure what harmonic sounds means. You don't have to give us more super chat. Just type it in the in the chat, and we'll. Uh, yeah, or or better yet, just just you know, ask me directly yeah. uh, at freedmanamps at gmail .com. I will. I'll be more than happy to help you out. Okay, cool. Lefty Mike, 
Thank you for the super chat. Dave, in episode two with George Metropolis, you mentioned that you, you design amps around the quality of tubes you can get today. With that being the case, is it worth to invest in a good set of new stock tubes? Thanks. At this point, I would say no. Good luck finding a set of new you know, good, Well, first of all, you're going to pay a fortune for it. You don't know if it's good. Um, if you're talking preamp tubes, maybe you can get, you know, a couple cool preamp tubes or something that you can put in your amp that are, that are great power tubes. I mean, if you're going to buy them, you're going to pay a fortune. If they fail, you're out those tubes. And can you get them again? Mm. Um, I, and frankly, I don't think NOS power tubes sound that much better or that different from newer power tubes, to be honest. Slightly, but it's not as night and day as you think it would be. Preamp yeah. tubes, on the other hand, you know, some preamp tubes, like if you buy a Mullard preamp tube and put it in your first slot of your amp and, you know, uh, you're going to hear a difference, especially if it's overdriving. Yeah. Um, but there's no guarantee that that preamp tube will work well either and won't be microphonic. Just because mm -hmm. it works doesn't mean it won't be microphonic. So... I mean, you can play, like I said, you can play around with the preamp tubes. I would leave the power tubes at this point. You can't really, you know, start, we're starting to run out of NOS power tubes. Yeah. It's, I, it's I actually have a follow-up question to that um, on the tube thing. Yeah. I, I'm looking for a bugle boy to go in the V1 of that divided by 13 right there. Bugle boy 12AX7? Yeah. They're out there. I mean, yeah, it doesn't mean it won't be non-microphonic. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I know. And I have a friend in Nashville who's got a couple of really good ones that I'm trying to talk him out of, but he won't he won't let him go. Where are we at with tubes though? So are do you foresee a future where even new tubes are gonna be really hard to come by and crazy expensive because you know, here's the thing. I mean the same conversation was had. 20 years ago mm. and we're still have a, a pretty vast supply of tubes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, JJ's out there. They're not going anywhere. They're a major tube manufacturer. Um, although not my, well, some of the tubes, no, we use some of the tubes. Yeah. We use some of the preamp tubes and EL 84s and a few other things from them. I don't use the EL 34s anymore, but other because there were some reliability issues there for a minute. Yeah. There's a, a, a vast supply of Russian tubes. Right. Um, massive. Um, I don't think that's going anywhere anytime real soon. Yeah. So, you know, in 20 years from now, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. What it, do you ever see? Well, as far as Chinese tubes right now, those are out of production at the moment. Yeah, all Chinese power tubes and preamp tubes are out of production at the moment. And and I'm I'm speaking on this as a total like someone who doesn't know anything about vacuum tube manufacturing. But why doesn't somebody out there, you know, some some VC start a uh, well, probably because there's no money in it. I just answer my own question. But what? Why not open up like a boutique tube manufacturer who's re repopping like the best tubes for guitar amps like the all the new old stock stuff that we're all after why couldn't you make tubes today that are to the same spec as those ones that were done back in the 60s theoretically you could um and theoretically you could also manufacture tubes uh 
that actually will comply with all the OSHA regulations and everything else uh, in the U.S. Um, because there are tube-like things being made by computers and 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 machines, you know, that are that are out there, um, and that technology could be applied to you know vacuum tubes for the guitar industry, but the guitar industry as a whole. It's a whole for the whole world is tiny. Yeah, it's big. It's tiny. It's it's it you're not the amount of development time it would take mm-hmm. and money outlay it would take, you would never recoup your money. Right. On the amount of tube output, you know, that that yeah, if it was still used by the military. You know, a lot of these other tubes are made on old machinery. Mm. So they're made on machinery that was already developed, you know, when when tubes were a mainstay for televisions and radios and and airplanes and and military and everything else. So a lot of this old machinery is still in use today. And when a part breaks, they if they can't find another one or not spare parts, then they they actually have them fabricated to, you know, replace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's just not a big enough. There's not enough dollars in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine, and especially too, is the guitar industry. Uh, I mean, other than the guitar industry and the hi-fi industry, I mean, I know there are some tubes that are used in the medical world. Like, there are some medical yeah. lasers that I know of that still use like tubes, but they're not. They're not using like EL eighty fours. No, no, <laughs> yeah, correct. They're using. There's some med- medical. There's still some military stuff used too. Mm-hmm. Certain old fighter planes and things that are still around. Mm. But again, those aren't anything like six L sixes or uh, you know, eighty fours or or um, you know it, it used to be the mainstay, you know. And and the funny thing is, tubes used to be used in military and stuff because they were the most reliable. Hmm. They're more reliable than actually, you know, what's available now. Yeah, <laughs> which I assume is different. Yeah. yeah, but again, it's still not a six L six or EL three. Surprised like somebody on the gear page hasn't like made a thread about like, man, you got to find these tubes that they f- they flew in F fifteens back in the eighties. Man, those are the best tubes. You put them in your fifty one fifty. Those are the shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, yeah, that'll sound awesome. <laughs> um, Dave. From Rummy373, thanks for the super chat. Why did Michael Shanker prefer 50-watt Marshalls over 100? Also, what does plugging into the low input of an amp offer tone and feel versus high input? Well, generally, the 50 watts were known to be a little grittier and a little, um, well, obviously a little friendlier on the ears, uh, but a little more soft and a little more compression and stuff to them. Um, And... um, the low input of an amp, really, it's the low input of an amp is uh, the traditional sense, like a Marshall and or a Fender. It's just attenuating what's going into the first tube. So it's literally just patting down your guitar. Um, and what that can do is it can not only does it you lose a little gain, but sometimes you lose a little um, top end, too. So sometimes it can be kind of a slightly sweeter. Uh, so you can use it as a. Uh, um, you know, a, a, just a tone thing, you know, like uh, the low input on our Dirty Shirley was cool because it had, you know, a little little more rolled off on the top end. It had a little thing to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mike Bilson, so do you think there could be another kind of new tube valve which could be used with current amps? No. Not not that anyone knows of. Mm. Yeah. Um, Chris Dice Art says, Rat, I will go start that thread on the gear page. Let's see what happens. <laughs> well, it's going to be 20 pages long. Please do that. Please, somebody do that and, and tag me in it. <laughs> I got to see that. Oh, yeah, it'll definitely be 20 pages or more. <laughs> or 100. We'll be posting pictures at like an aircraft boneyard, like digging through old, you know, DC things uh, or something, trying yeah. to find tubes. <laughs> Always amazes me how long the threads can possibly go on 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 the gear page it's uh, it's, it's or reasonably, or it's reasonably impressive yeah because it, at some point in time you watch the it being constructive and good and cool and then it's like well why are we still posting here i i've tried the, the i struggle with the i've always struggled with the gear page every time i've gone on to try and find some information or learn about something and i still do it from time to time today i'll like go look something up and then you're right you get one or two good posts and it, it looks really intriguing. Like, Oh cool. I'm about to learn what I came here to learn. And then you're 12 pages in and just like starts to spiral. Yeah. What's happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Dave, your favorite amp um, is a 50 watt Marshall. Yeah. It's behind me the top one behind me. It's a 50 watt Plexi Marshall uh, 68. So uh, that, that is the, uh, that's the one for me. That's, nice where all my amps started from mm. so. uh bb says 300 plus watching only 65 likes come on people let's uh let's do the uh the thumbs up and also if you could please press subscribe and click the bell all right uh this way you'll get notifications on all our channel uh guests and shows that are coming up you can also uh see the community and and where we make notifications and all kinds of stuff so please do that and also check out sweetwater we'll click we'll provide a link or there's a link somewhere down below so so uh, carries everything sweetwater's got everything yeah love it uh rhett so tell 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 us about your because you and i were talking about this last night Tell us about the uh, live shows that you got you're doing now since we're all locked in. Yeah. Uh, well, the next one is happening Sunday night, 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's called Backstage Live, and um, I'm really it's it's it started out as a fun kind of idea. It was actually my dad's idea when this whole pandemic thing started. I, um, you know, I still tour and play and do the hired gun guitar player thing. And I, I had a pretty full schedule lined up for 2020. And obviously that all just went to shit. So uh, once that started happening, my dad came to me one day and was like, you should, uh, you should start playing. You should start live streaming shows. Mm -hmm. And it started off like, okay, cool. Yeah, it would be fine. We could, you know, get some people together and, um, you know, turn on some cameras. And then it just kind of grew and grew into this whole thing. And uh, we had our first episode July 11th, and it, it was great, man. Basically, it's a full band, fully produced, fully mixed live concert. You know, we have like eight different cameras and a full broadcast mix and a whole 
it's not what you think when somebody says, oh, live stream show. It's not what you're thinking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, it's I, I, I put together a, a band of really close friends of mine that are all incredible musicians. They're all much better musicians than me. Um, I'm definitely the worst player in the room, which is by design. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we uh, we've got two guest artists coming on this show this Sunday. So we're going to do some a combination of some original music and, uh, and a few covers that we've kind of turned into our own thing. So it's really exciting, man. We're going to we're just going to keep doing them once a month from here till whenever, you know. Well, I heard the last one and uh, the quality sounded fantastic. I mean, it was an excellent mix sounded, you know, it sounded great. I mean, it did, it did not sound like a, uh, you know, someone with an iPhone there filming a, you know, a band playing and it, it really had a good, good vibe to it. You know, they really sounded great. Thanks man. Yeah. yeah. It took a lot, a lot of work to get there. Um, and I think I told you this last night, I would not recommend anybody try and do this because <laughs> it was such it started out as like a great fun idea like yeah this will be cool man and i've got the gear you know it'll be fine i've got some cameras and it i had no idea what i was getting into there were multiple parts when we were getting ready for the first show where i was pulling my hair out thinking like what the hell did i get myself into but i'm really glad that we we decided to do it and um it means that that i could to play live music for people again. Um, and it's crazy, man. Like that first show, 50,000 people watched that first show. And when you wow. think about it in terms of like actual gigs, you could play for a whole year and not play for that many people. You know, it, this is thing about the internet that I still can't get over. It's like, there's all, you know, there's 300 people watching this right now, 300 people. Right. Right. You know, that's uh, that's crazy to me. So yeah, Sunday, five p.m. on my channel. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, can you describe the challenges of doing something like this from a full scale professional level? Because this is not. I'll be yeah. right back. Sure. This is like I said. This is not just filming a band. You know, this is a you know everything's mic professionally, and so yeah, if you can go into it, I'd be curious. So, I think the level, it's pretty easy to put on a live stream and to make it sound decent and to make it look decent is pretty easy nowadays. You can spend a few hundred bucks, get a couple cameras, get a switcher and make it work. But to go from decent to like pro quality, it it is exponentially more cost intensive and it takes a lot more expertise um, we have uh, the guy who actually mixes the show is Andy McDonald. He's a friend of mine, engineer friend of mine. And his day job is a systems engineer, but he is an incredible audio engineer. I mean, you heard his mix. He knows what he's doing. And it takes someone like him who understands audio, but also understands technology and signal flow and systems integration and network integration to do this. Because what we're trying to do is take we have 20, 28 channels out in the live room, bringing all that in, mixing it in real time, processing it in real time, sending that out, as well as taking eight different camera angles 
combining those, switching those in real time. We have somebody running a switcher, switching cameras, and then combining that into one stream and getting the audio and video synced properly, getting the, the frame rates right, getting the sample rates right, getting all the stuff correct was insane. And we're using Luna from Universal Audio um, as our DAW, which has been great. Um, but we've, we're using that. Universal Audio did not design that DAW with this uh, workflow in mind. And so we've run into a few walls and it's nothing that they did wrong, but we're essentially trying to take a recording studio DAW and turn it into a live broadcast DAW. And what's been really cool is we ran into a few sort of limitations and were able to jump on a Skype call with them a few weeks ago and kind of talk through the issues with them and they kind of work some things out for us so that we can make it work for what we're doing, which is pretty badass. Um, That's very cool. Yeah. So it's uh, all in all, I'm really glad we did it. And now that now that we're set up, it'll be much easier to just replicate. Like we can just put it, put the set together, put the music together and play, but getting ready for that first show was a feat. <laughs> yeah. I bet, you know, that's an interesting idea that maybe uh, universal audio may want to think about, which is taking Luna and being one of the, probably being the first company to have a live stream platform for yeah. producing music. Somebody needs to do it, man. I think one of the things that's going to change with the pandemic, one of the thing, parts of the music industry that's going to change is live streaming of shows is here to stay. Um, and we're just kind of, people are just starting to kind of figure it out. Like I have my thing that, that we're trying out. We're, we're trying out one way. I see a lot of other people trying out like a different way. We're all just sort of throwing shit at the wall right now and seeing what sticks. But the bottom line is everyone's kind of figuring out. So, that show, my band, we're all hired gun guys. We all tour, we all travel, but we got to play a show uh, and then go home and and sleep. And we got, you know, it. it I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, I think that's a part of the industry that's going to be here to stay. Yeah. You didn't smell like cigarettes? No. I didn't get beer spilled on my pedal board. Right. <laughs> didn't, didn't get in a fight out behind the venue. Right, right. Uh, it was fight for your money with the owner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, but but also you know the 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 live streaming thing for uh, even venues. Yes. So so like for instance, like the baked potato out here has been doing live streaming of, yeah. of artists you never get to see. You know, you're not gonna unless you're out here and you're in the you know fit, you know baked potato holds like a hundred people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tiny. So uh, unless you're out here and fortunate enough to see that, you just don't get to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a streaming, like a pay for streaming kind of event, you know, say it's $5 or something, maybe you can see Mike Landau play a set at the baked potato while it's sitting there having a beer in front of your computer. Yeah. You know, in yeah. live, live, right then and there, you know. Now, there is something that's definitely lost by not being in the room and that's something that you'll never be able to replace and that's some that's a reason that actual live music will never die that'll never go anywhere 
Yeah, but the revenue stream of just the, the taking that concert. So let's say you do are able to have people in the venue and you got 100 people and you do it twice or whatever, a couple hundred people watched it. But that stream can go to another thousands more. Yeah. And they all paid $5, which is less than the fee to get in the club or, or $10 or whatever the fee is, um, which is less than the $20 or $25 to get in the club. Uh, and now, you know, people in Singapore are able to watch it. Right. People in Germany, people in, you know, wherever are able to watch it. Yeah. And, it should become a more commonplace thing. And that's, that's, that's super cool, actually. And yeah. it's, it's free money. I yeah. Mean, I mean, money. like, there's some great, okay, like, hypothetically, think about this for a second. So, uh, remember when, uh, years ago now, or when Led Zeppelin reunited? Mm-hmm. And they played, uh, you know, that show. Um, and I know later it became a DVD and this and that and all that. But what if it was, you know, technology was there at the time and it was live streamed oh across my God. the globe and you could pay $20 to see it or $25 or $50 even. Right. You would have paid $50 to see it right then and there in a, yeah. in a heartbeat, in an instant. Yeah. So, so you could have had millions of people at fifty dollars a pop. What, Dude, I, that that's crazy. Thinking about how much money that is. Well, the fight the fight industry has done this for years, man. You think about paper parties, like Tyson fights back. In yeah, the- yeah. Like, oh, I want to see that. The oh. <laughs> he's gonna kill him. <laughs> have you seen the training videos from Mike oh, Tyson? He looks crazy. He's Holy just, crap. He's yeah. going to kill him. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the training videos, you're like, that, it looks better than his training videos from when he was young. Well, he, he, he looks, looks faster and more vicious. Ferocious, yeah. And the trainer, I feel bad for the trainer. The trainer's like, he's just getting killed. <laughs> crazy. Oh, man. Well, yeah. I, I, ugh. That's uh, I think you're right though, man. I mean, with with my show, we don't do pay per view, um, because I I wanted to with everything that's going on right now. I felt that a I wanted to make music again and be able to play with people again, and I wanted to be able to put music out there for people to enjoy. And you know, yeah, you can't go to a show and like be in a venue with other people, but you know, you could watch our stream for an hour and twenty minutes, an hour and a half, and you know, have a good time. Um, but you're well, right. You go play in Sturgis, you can. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> there, there's some venues that I've played that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be out in the crowd. But um, yeah, I think I think it is here to stay, man. And and I think it'll be kind of a hybrid system in the future. You, you'll have venues doing it. You'll have artists and bands doing it. Um, and I think if you can figure out how to do it now and figure out how to do it well. Now I think you'll have a big advantage moving forward, which is part of the reason we're trying to do it. You know? Yeah, that's great. Um, BB says uh, for Rhett, are you using rogue amoebas loop back within Luna? That will help. I don't know what rogue amoebas loop back is. So what, what I was talking about earlier with running into some limitations, what I, I, I didn't mean to sound like I was talking shit about Luna. What I mean is, so one of their key things in Luna is this thing called ARM, which lets you basically track with zero latency. 
but because we are we're essentially mixing, recording, and monitoring off of the session at the same time simultaneously. And so we're doing a lot of weird things with signal routing and busing and sending stuff to multiple places. And, and so because of that, we weren't able to use things like ARM. And there's certain plugins that we can't use if there's too much latency in the plugin because, again, we're like monitoring off of it. So yeah. we have to have it in real time. Um, but yeah, like Mark, what you were talking about a second ago, if, if somebody out there made a DAW, so here's what needs to happen. If there's any uh, any possible investors out there, email me somebody needs to make a piece of hardware okay because i had to buy so much shit that was like oh i have to have a video switcher but then that video switcher needs to have like three other different things to go with it and then oh you need a you need to have all these different audio somebody needs to make one thing that's like a little console maybe a 16 channel 24 channel console that you can send audio to you can send video cameras to and it'll do all of the work. It'll sync all the audio and video together. And then you just connect it to your computer via a USB-C cable and just stream it out. If somebody made that piece of hardware, you'd be golden. You'd sell tons of them. Hmm. Tons of them. So, Interesting. yeah. Interesting. Um, I called an iPhone in the room with the musicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so BV clarified, he said, uh, back within Luna that will help with the audio cable-free virtual channels, audio routing, as long as you are on a Mac. Mm. Okay. I am on a Mac. We'll have to look into that. Um, we, we It's kind of that situation where we got it working, and so we're kind of afraid to touch anything because we got it all where it needs to be. And so it's like, don't don't look at it. Don't breathe on it. Don't touch yeah, anything. Don't move anything. Just leave it. Just leave well enough alone. Yeah. All right. Robert Bogdan, why not have a sponsor for your live show? I'm not sure if that's for us or for Rhett. Uh, we do have a sponsor. Uh, that's Sweetwater. I think it's for Rhett. Uh, but if it's for Rhett. Uh, yeah, I have several. Um, Universal Audio and Line 6 and Hercules and Moog. Um, yeah, we, we got – they really helped us out. I wouldn't have been able to do this <laughs> without some sponsorships. That's That's for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you guys should definitely check it out because uh, it sounded great. So, so let's talk about the influence of the band. I mean, is is this your permanent band that you're playing with, or is this a? Uh, uh, tell us about you know what you're doing with the band. This is this is the band that I wanted to put together for ten years. Um, I've my career as a guitar player has been just the high, like strictly a hired gun. I've never really done any original stuff of my own. I always jump on with artists or do session work and stuff. And it's been on a small scale. I've, I've not had like any huge illustrious gig or anything like that, but I've been able to like work and make a living for 10 years doing that. And so this is basically the group of people and the music that I've wanted to play with and play ever since I started playing really. Oh, that's um, so right now we've only played together like six times in total. Um, so we're still kind of figuring it out. We're still kind of finding the sound and finding the vibe, but pretty soon we're going to start writing. And the goal is to put out a, some kind of EP or album in the next probably six months. And 
the long-term goal is once this pandemic is over, we actually go out and, you know, start booking some festivals and some gigs and, you know, go over to Europe and play and go play all over the States, you know? Right. All right. So, That's awesome. Well, you guys sound great. I mean, it was, uh, I didn't hear the whole thing, but it was definitely a mix of great rock. Now I got to check it out. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> Tune in on Sunday, man. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and listen to it on a good stream. What time on Sundays? Uh, 5 p.m. my time, so that'll be, t- uh, yeah, 2 p.m. your time. Yeah. Two, yeah. No, 2, 3, 2. Was it 2-hour difference or 3? Three? 3. I'm in Atlanta. It's yeah. Eastern. Yep. Yeah. And I'm playing Real Amps. You'll be happy to know. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, Ken and Lauren. Yeah, the first live show sounded amazing. I can't wait till this Sunday. Sounded like you guys are rocking some Hendrix. We we may or may not be. I can neither confirm nor deny. You'll have to just tune in and see what we're going to play. Got to leave some level of mystery there. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see. Stephen Douglas, Dave Freeman, what year is that Marshall cab behind you and what speakers? Early 70s. And that particular cab is... Um, has G12M 30 watt greenbacks. So um, that one's cool. There's another cab you guys can't see. It's to the, well, I don't know. No, wait. That way. Sorry. <laughs> that way. And it's a uh, same uh, basket weave as that cab, but it has, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Those are 30 watt blackbacks, not greenbacks. Mm. And uh, the other ones are 25 watt uh, black bags. Mm. So, so this would be later 70s, actually. I'd love to hear those. Um, oh, both of these cabinets sound really cool. And I got them. It's so weird. It's like I, when I was a kid, I had all sorts of basket week cabinets like this and that were really cool. And over the years, of course, I didn't have them anymore. And something fell into my lap, you know, like, uh, a deal someone told me about there's this pawn shop and they got all these cabinets and they're going to sell them. I just bought one. You want in? I go, what is it? What is it? And it's these two cabinets. And, and, you know, I got them for like a song too. I mean, like, and I wanted a vintage cabinet. I was thinking about buying one. Um, but I got these two cat, they're Im- immaculate. And I got them for like, you know, half market value. Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. So, and I, I'm so happy to have them because they sound incredible. <laughs> with with the, the black backs that came in them, is that the original speakers? Yeah, that's what that's. It's all original cab. Yeah. I mean, they're they're like, and and they're two different cabs. The funny thing is, I bought the first one. Well, the funny thing is, my friend who told me about it bought one. I bought one. I told George Lynch about it. He bought one, or two. And then all there was a bunch of cabinets, like a ton. And then Pete Thorne bought one also. So the cabinet he uses is also from the same batch. And it was a pawn shop that had, um, I don't know, it was like six cabinets or something. Yeah. Six, uh, you know, checkerboard vintage, vintage cabinets. Wow. And they had some amps and some different things also, but the amps were in rough shape. But, mm. you know, they were all with covers. I mean, it had been, and they had been sitting in the pawn shop for, I think, like 15 years. 
Wow. So, and finally the guy stopped paying on his deal and they decided to sell it, you know? So it, they literally hadn't been touched for like 15, 15 or 20 years. I think he told me. Jeez. In just covers over the cabinets. Like I have the original covers for him. Oh, (laughs) I'm like, and the guy told me the price. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I wasn't planning on buying it today, but yeah, I'll buy it today. Let's look it up. And then they said, well, there's another one. You want this one? I go, what speakers are in this one? And it was the 30s. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take that, too. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, unforeseen, you know, unforeseen bill, but it it was actually such a cheap price that it was great. It was worth it. You know, and then and then the the amp below the 50 watt back there is a, a Jose Arredondo modded Marshall. So that I recently had acquired. It's like a 74-ish era. What's the mod? It's the the Jose modded Marshall, the famous, you know, Jose Ardano modded Marshall. And that fell into my lap also. Nice. Uh, thanks to a friend. And it was at a those are worth a lot of money. And it was at a price that was like, I gotta buy it mm. now. <laughs> Yeah, and now I wasn't expecting that one either. I hate it when I'm not expecting it, and I have to, but you have to do it because you know it's worth set aside. Just have a, a like an envelope in your kitchen somewhere in a cookie jar that's your unexpected. Well, like, yeah, wow. yeah, you know it's 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 like when it comes along, if it's a great price, you got to jump on it because you know. Yeah, I mean that that amp's worth five k. Yeah, because of that mod, right. And yeah, you decided to and sell. I did not buy it for anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was. A, I would make a good profit if I sold it. <laughs> um, this is an interesting question from Mister Night Owl and Company. Any thoughts of doing it more often with other bands, like letting other bands come use your setup? Not really, man. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's kind of our thing, and and what we're gonna do is have guest artists come in guest musicians guest artists and do a combination of our music and their music sort of with with our sound um it's kind of like when uh you know if an artist comes and plays with the roots you know like it's it's not the roots playing that artist's show it's the artist playing with the roots it's kind of that same sort of model Uh, and and that's you know Kind of well, and I guess the other part of it too is it's sort of uh, this is a new path for up and coming bands to try and do. I see it on social media a lot. Like, there's one band where I think they're out in LA somewhere, but they're blowing up on Instagram. I can't remember their name right now, but they have oh. a rent a house together and there's a pool, and their whole thing is they have their band set up in the backyard and they make videos of them playing outside. Oh. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't think of the name. I can't either, but they're, they're killer. They sound great. Hmm. I mean, why not, man? They're getting thousands of views on their, on their music. And there's another band, it it kind of in the same genre. There's another band out of LA. That's really young kids. um, Called slaves to humanity. Mm. And uh, uh, some friends of mine produced some of their music. And, um, they they were the number one most requested uh, new music on KLOS nice. out here, and uh, it's amazing. 
amazing band. If they continue with the same caliber of songs that the the one big hit single was, they had. Then Is that Amir's, Amir's Amir's band? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amir was producing. Yeah, and um, that's great. Eric, that's really great. Eric has it. The main squeeze. That that was the band I was talking about. The oh, pool. Okay. Yeah, they're called the main squeeze. Huh. Check it out. I would like to uh, buy a place here in Atlanta. I saw some friends of mine got married uh, last year in Nashville, and it was this like multi-use. It used to be a warehouse, and they turned it into like a photo studio. So it had like the all-white walls with the rounded floors and everything. And I don't know what you call that, but basically they would rent it out. They had weddings there. They would host live shows there. Like bands could come and play. You could shoot music videos. It was basically like a creative space. And I could see doing something like that where I own the space and it was set up for mm-hmm. whatever. And you would sell different packages. Like, Oh, you want to have a live stream show? Okay, cool. This is what it entails. This is what you get. Or do, you want you know, do you know, um, you might not know him, but you're in the same area. Bill Kelleher. No, Mm-mm. I should introduce you guys. He's in Atlanta from Mastodon. Bill Kelleher from Mastodon. No, but obviously no Mastodon. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's in the same area, and actually, he might be fun to have play with your band. <laughs> that, would be, that would be awesome, man. Uh, but but he has some. Um, I think he has a rehearsal studio and stuff, and, okay, and some, and some properties and things. So. You should you, maybe you guys should talk. Yeah, that would be very cool. Uh, Bill's super cool, and he he's there, and uh, I'll hook you guys up. Yeah, I, awesome. I don't know. Maybe there's a, there's a business model here. Right, right. So that's cool. Yeah, hey, yeah. Um, Jason Thurlow says thanks. Tone Talk started watching after your Jakey e. Lee live stream. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you stuck it out, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't stop watching after <laughs> Jakey e. Lee live stream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. you, you still watched after that huh right he's still stuck it up uh time uh, to learn acid on rat yeah yeah it is man it sure is <laughs> oh man yeah bill bill was cool he was on the show nice guy that's awesome um yeah so tell so you're a big fan of uh divided by 13 right? i I am a believer in the church of divided by 13. That is for sure. Yeah. We had Brett pop on as well. And we were talking yeah. about yeah. I love Brett. Good dude. Yeah, uh, man. So yeah. Tell us about, uh, what was that? Is that the one amp that you found that was like your Holy grail that you, that you were like that one video that you did? Yeah. Um, well that, uh, no, this was an amp I bought back. So when I got hired, uh, by that band in Nashville's band called Muddy Magnolias. I didn't have an amp that really fit that sound. Um, it was very much like Roots Americana Rock sort mm-hmm. of band. Um, it was two female singers. It was a lot of fun. And I, the the venues and stuff we, they were going to be playing, I didn't really have a, an amp that could fill that. So I, I went shopping and um, went to Righteous Guitars, uh, which is about 20 minutes from me. And found that and i never really played a divided by but that was one of the first amps i played where um there was that immediacy you know when you when you like when you 
crank it up and you you play a note there's a thud that happens it's like a it's like a concussive kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and it it really just stuck with me and so i had some stuff that i sold off and and picked that up and um I absolutely love it. And then I, I recently just got my second one. I got an RSA 23 that I ordered um, from Fred back in January. And that's what I'll be playing on the show on Sunday. Mm. Um, and so th- that's like, if you're going to have two divided by 13s, if you're going to have two of Fred's amps, you want to have the FTR 37, which is that one, and the RSA 23. I think those are the two sort of flagships that he does. Um so I've got them. I'm waiting on the, the cabinet to come for the RSA. Apparently, Celestian, there's a speaker shortage at the moment. Um, so I'm waiting for it's a greenback 212 that'll be coming for that RSA. Um, yeah, man, I, I just really like Fred. I really like the build quality of his amps. If you've ever opened one up, I mean, they're, they're it's just insane, man. The, the build quality is ridiculous. So and I've never had that's that one's been all over North America and Canada and parts of Mexico and had it for about four and a half years now. Original tubes haven't had any issues with it. Completely stock. Um, yeah, I love it, man. Love it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a local place by me called MAE Music. They don't have them anymore. So they used to carry divided by 13 for a period of time. And I would go in there and just plug in and be like, yeah, this is, this is a great amp. It was definitely a step above, but the price was very, very high at the time. They're so, very, they're very, they're not cheap and they're very loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not home friendly amps by any means. And, and I don't, there's no way in hell. So that's a, a supposedly a 37 watt amp. But that's the loudest 37 watts I've ever heard in my life. It, it's got to be more closer to 50 or, or more. Um, I mean, that thing will peel paint at four or five. Um, and the RSA 23 is the same way. Like you can't in a in a small room. That's why I'm using the Ox for the shows because we're in a small room, like in a basement, and you can't push an amp down there, especially because we've got live mics and everything everywhere. So. Yeah, as well. I mean, the ox sounds fantastic. Oh, it's so. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Especially. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing it that way, are you able to get any of the effects from the ox or it's just using it? Or Yeah, I'm using a lot of room sound. Okay. And then I'm using the 1176. I like uh, a bit of compression. I don't use compression in front of my amp at all. I, I never use a compressor pedal. I never, I did for a while, but it's just not, I don't think it's a great, especially the always on compressor thing. I don't, I don't think it really works that well. I think it's a crutch more than anything personally. Now a compressor as like an effect, you know, if you're going to use it to get a super squash kind of sound, that's a different thing. But I like a compressor going into, you know, basically onto tape. I, I really like an 1176. Yeah. Post, post the mic preamp. If, yeah. it, if you're miking, um, yeah. Yeah, eleven seventy six is fantastic, especially if you're doing the Americana kind of thing. Yeah, so you're doing that semi broken vox voxy sort of thing. Yep, uh, a compressor after is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it's I just like amazing. An eleven seventy six minus between like three and nine dB, or if it's mm-hmm. just kind of sitting sitting right in there, it's the sweet spot. So yeah. 
I agree. Amen. Killer. That's cool. Uh, Brandon Thompson, I just want to say hello, Mr. Freeman. I cannot wait to be able to afford one of your amps one day. To this day, the best sounding and feeling amp I've ever played through. Cheers. Keep it loud. Thank you. That was very nice. Uh, Dave will give you a dis discount now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I can't. I can't. I'm sending Mark an invoice. <laughs> Mark will make up for the, for the difference. I give you a discount. How much, when you, how much of a discount do you want? Because I'm sending Mark an invoice. <laughs> Uh, he's cut, cut him a break, you know, since he was so nice. <laughs> uh, uh, Ethan Ricks, what happened to Zach Brown's place down in Atlanta where where his label was? He had a tone of stuff, a ton of stuff. Do you know? I think it's all up in Nashville now, man. He's got that studio, Southern Ground Studios up there. Um yeah, Zach Brown, I mean, that was a little bit before, that was just before my time. Like, by the time I came in to starting to play and gig around Atlanta, those guys were all up in Nashville and doing their thing. But I know I play with a lot of guys down here that, you know, he was, Zach was gigging, you know, four or five nights a week around Atlanta for a long time uh, and had, I mean, everybody who played guitar, I think, in Atlanta at some point played with Zach. And so... um yeah, but I, I kind of missed missed that train. But yeah, I think everything pretty much now they're all Nashville based. I don't even know if he even has anything in Atlanta anymore. Mm. No. Papa Blue, do you use a Kemper? What do you think? So I see one up on your shoulder there. Yeah, well, I do use a Kemper from time to time. It's um, well at this point right now because there's not any touring happening or playing live. It's you know. I, it's a really quick solution if I'm like recording a video or something and I just want to turn something on and play it real quick to get it into the video. That's, that's how I'm using it now. Um, I have gigs with them. It's the, the modeler thing is interesting. Uh, actually, Dave, we talked about this back um, in January. Mm -hmm. I think modelers i'm a big fan of them i like the kemper i like the, the helix stuff the axe effects is really great and it's a great tool especially when you're traveling if you're doing some kind of fly date or you're going somewhere like festival dates or things like that where you know you, you're going to be relying on some kind of backline amp you probably don't know exactly what you're going to get and it's going to be real quick you're not going to have a lot of time it's kind of a throw and go situation with those kind of or you're an opening band where you've got a real quick load in and you got to pack the stage super fast, that kind of situation. I usually take my helix or a Kemper just because it's consistent. It sounds good. Um, and especially if you're on in-ears, it, it sounds the same every night. Um, but if I'm playing a gig that is like more of a, like a headlining situation or where you have more control or more time, I, I pretty much always go for an amp at that point because the Kempers are great and the Helixes are great. They're all just trying to meet that benchmark of, of a tube amp. Mm -hmm. And, and a, they get really close. I think a lot of them get really close, especially under coming through like studio monitors and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to get to this thing, you know, when you have the opportunity, you should just take this thing. You know? Right. Just use it. Yeah. yeah. You've got it. 
So they're yeah. great tools, man. They're really great tools. It'd be interesting to see how your live stream would be with a real amp versus a, a Kemper. Well, I'm using the hybrid setup, you know, it's like, and, and I think now that's going to be, become more of the standard for guitar players. We're using a tube amp, a real amp. With the ox. With an ox or with, a, you know, some kind of digital cab simulator thing. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as BV says, uh, studio monitors, yes, real speakers, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, Joe Alba wants to know what are what are we sipping on tonight? So uh, have you made it onto your second bottle? Yeah, I'm I'm two glasses deep in the second bottle here. The so which one do you like better? The bullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nathaniel Pearson, uh, Persone, maybe. Uh, what about the Friedman BE Deluxe versus the divided by thirteen? Well, they're really different. Polar opposite amp. Yeah. Divided by 13 is a, a more vintage style amplifier with no master volumes. Um, crank it up and go kind of thing. Ideally suited for, shall we say, those in-between tones. Mm -hmm. uh, I, the semi-broken tones is what a divided by 13 does well, Yep, I think, personally. Um, and uh, the Friedman, you know, is more Marshall based, so... You know, it's going to do a totally different thing than the divided by. Yeah. 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 I'd it'd probably be more, probably a better comparison to compare the uh, Bucks and Betty. Mm. Bucks and Betty to the, the divided by maybe and or even, well, no, it doesn't really do it either. I was going to say the twin sister or Dirty Shirley thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's different still. It's, it's Yeah. Yeah, depends on which divided by also two you're talking about. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, hip metalworks. If tubes didn't exist right now, what would you buy or design? Oh hell! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Good question. You'd be calling a really uh, good solid state amp. Thomas Boog. Hey, can we use some of those? Um, uh, you know, but yeah, he still has tubes in his though. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um plugins <laughs> yeah you know that's a that's a rough thing um i you know i i think that i think there's some solid state designs that could be done that sound cool um that sound tube like um but you know nothing's going to replace the tubes really no Neil Massey. Modeling uh, amp. <laughs> what is Friedman's equivalent to the JCM 800? That would be the. Biggie Lee amp. Yep. Nice. So go get one. I saw one for sale today used on Facebook. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, there was one. One guy bought it that already has a, a few of my other amps, and he decided that it I don't know why. It just wasn't what he wanted. Yeah, he said it was a it was like a few hundred dollars less than a new one. Yeah, yeah, like thirty five or something or something like that. Yeah. Um, any love for Novo on the stream, Rhett? Oh yeah, I mean I've got my, my number one right here. Sweet. This is my baby. 
Um, cool. And then this one is not mine. I've, I've done everything in my power to try and make it mine, but Dennis won't let it go. But this is the prototype. Oh, it's like Esquire Nova. Yeah, it's badass, man. This That's Dennis cool. built this one. It's the prototype for the Winter Nam show. And um, I was only supposed to have it for a couple of weeks to like do some video stuff with it. And then the pandemic hit and I've had it since January. <laughs> uh, so, so we shouldn't talk about it. We should not even look at it. Right, it's, it's <laughs> now that you've reminded everyone, you now have. I've reminded everyone that I have it. Uh, you didn't see that. No, I'm a I'm a big, big Novo fan. I I say this all the time. Uh, I'm a fanboy of Novo, and I think Dennis Fano. I think he'll go down as one of the great guitar designers and builders. Just period. I, I think he's every bit up there with Paul Reed Smith and Leo Fender and. Ted McCarty and all those yeah, guys. Yeah, that's cool stuff. It's sure. you know, it's unique. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I get it, but from I man, there's if you've ever played one, they have a they have a thing that not many other guitars I've played do. So that's cool. Yeah, man, yeah. that's right. Uh, Mark Salyers, does Friedman have the equivalent of a Marshall 1974 X? 1974 X. What is a 1974X? Sorry. Is that the, so the 1959, which is like the well, re is like a super lead, but what's the 74X? I thought that was like more like a um like a blues breaker. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like I it, don't know. Type it in. The reissue of the 1974 produced 1976 and 1968, just like the original uh, it's an 18-watt combo. Oh, well, all our 20-watt amps uh, have roots in the 18-watt thing. Uh, uh, do we make an exact 18-watt? No. N not the vintage-style 18-watt, no. Right. Uh, well, they weren't that great. Mm. Uh, the, the, 20, the actual 20-watt vintage Marshall heads were super cool, though. Um, they were a little different in circuit, and... Uh, and 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 all the power sections for all our twenty one amps sort of derive themselves from that uh, era amp. Hmm. Okay. Uh, do you guys know any many more affordable alternatives to the Vox AC thirty? Uh, more affordable? No. They're pretty nothing, affordable. Nothing. Nothing that's any good. Yeah. No. Like a, a Vox AC thirty, the the production ones, the Chinese ones, and stuff they have. It just uh, that that does not sound like an AC thirty. So mm. No way. No. Mm. If you've played a real original copper top AC thirty top boost amp, you will you will surely know that anything new Vox does not sound remotely close to that. Yeah, the new ones have this like really gross. It, the best way I can describe it is like an ice pick to your ear. Yeah, not the the, the the old ones have this unbelievably cool compression and yeah. and when you grind them up a little bit and distort them they're they're almost like a, a compressed version of a, a old Marshall or something in some I, I really love the early 90s Korg era AC Yeah, that one was pretty good. The, and still not like the original ones. Right, but the thing that it does is real cool. Were were those built by Marshall? I, I heard somewhere yeah. that the Korg like yeah, yeah, yeah. that was Marshall to build those. Uh yeah. yes, that was built by Marshall. Yeah, those are the ones to get, but they're not cheap. 
those were cool. I mean, an old one's what one to get, but I'm I'm gonna do one eventually. <gasps> really? Yeah, Mr. Friedman. There's, well. a, there's a vintage line coming eventually, and uh, one of the amps I really would like to do properly is uh, a exact duplicate of my copper top AC30 oh. top boost. You oh, have piqued my interest. That is so that one is going to be good, and I won't be happy until it sounds exactly like the one I own. Uh, Alnico Blues in that, right? Well, yeah, that would have to have Alnico Blues. Yep, yep. Okay, but but then again, you know, I you know, it's not it's not really all about the speaker. It, it's uh, more about the amp itself. Because I mean, a great Vox will sound good into a four by twelve. Ah. That's true. So, I mean, really will. Yeah. Richard Friend, any possibility of getting David Ray on the show? I actually asked him and he said no. He did? Yep. Why? I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't interested. Yeah, he wasn't interested in coming on. Really? Yep. It's oh. interesting. So I know David. David's awesome. He's a nice guy. Well, maybe give him a call. Yeah. I, I bought some stuff from him. I bought a, a line out box from him. Mm. And uh, that, at the time, because I was doing the wet, dry, wet thing, and mm -hmm. I don't want to bother you. So, uh, and he just sells them. So I bought it for like 50 bucks. And at the time, I asked him, I said, You should come on the show. He's like, Yeah, no. Nah. So, you know, some people are, are like that, you know? Um, like Michael Landau's, uh, you know, because Steve mentioned to, yeah, 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 sure. No, I, I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I wish he, would, I wish he would, but I certainly respect his privacy. So yeah, um, but yeah, um, Bukovac is is on the list. So uh, yeah, I'd love to have him. Yeah, sure. I need to reach out. Need to reach out to him. Um, yeah, let's see. Do you guys have the same love for Tom Book? Yeah, we'd love to have him on. I've had several people say, you guys need to have him on, so we will. Yeah. Uh, so I know it's getting late, Dave. I know you got to run. Um, and yeah. so let's see if we have a, any other questions. So, Brett, tell us your channel and uh, how people can reach you and and watch yeah. your stuff. Just uh, my name, Brett Scholl. It's on YouTube and Instagram. Um, and like I said, live show this Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, I'd love to see everyone there. It's, you know, you can catch it later, but I, I think there's something cool about catching it live when it's actually happening. There's that, like, Absolutely. element of danger that we might totally shit the bed. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so. well, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, that's what we're all hoping for. <laughs> we're giving super chats, betting. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no, that's great. Yeah, you guys should definitely check it out. Um, I'll put a link down below uh, for people to check out your channel and check out the show. Uh, and uh, please leave a th thumbs up here. Please subscribe, um, as I mentioned, uh, and click the bell. Everybody who's watching, all 327 of you, please um, do that Thank now. You. Well, wait. Just go ahead and do that now. Oops. All right. Have you done it yet? All right, cool. Um, and uh, check out Sweetwater. Uh, 
please check out Sweetwater. They are, I have a link below. If you click that link and purchase something from them, uh, it provides a little kickback to us and helps support the channel, helps pay for certain expenses and those types of things. So we appreciate it. Um, we, let me tell you about this, the lineup that we've got coming. Uh, so Steve from Dan Electro, um, August 21st, which will be cool. Uh, Jordan Ziff from Rat, August 28th. Uh, did you say something, Dave? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He froze. His internet's not too good tonight. Yeah. There he is. Are you there, Dave? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, you there? He, uh, everything went out for a minute. Yeah, you're a little grainy. Um, Tosin well, and Bob. You know, with live streams, who knows what happens? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I bet your writer's on the internet right now, like watching YouTube or something, messing with the... Uh... Everyone's on the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so Tosin and September 11th. Misha Mansour, September 18th. Steve Lukather, October 2nd, part two. Sweet. Which will be cool. Um, then Dave Wiener, nice. October 9th. Uh-huh. And then, uh, I believe Tim and Pete will come back on October 16th, or we may change that date. And then we've got Martin from Victory Amps on October 30th. Awesome. Quite the lineup, man. Yeah, it's all we keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So all the way till the end of October. And we'll keep going. Um, yeah, we, we, I I talked to also Rusty Anderson from Paul McCartney's band. I would like to have Rusty on. Oh. Um, so that's in the future too. And Lindy Fralin. Um, I'm gonna talk Lindy to Lindy Fralin him. would be great. Yeah, definitely want to have him on. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna get some pickups from him for my GNL. So he makes great pickups. Yeah. I want to get like a vintage hot set of just, uh, you know, single coils strat, like 60 yeah, strat. That's yeah. great. That's yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, Rhett, I want to thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. I think you've got an awesome channel. Everybody should really check it out. Um, check out your band and, uh, check out what you guys are doing. I, I really appreciate it guys. Like I said, it, genuinely is uh, a privilege to be on this show and um i really really appreciate it man you guys are oh, awesome thanks thank you thank yeah. you yeah, really thank appreciate you. it and thank you everybody who's watching the show you guys are awesome all 279 of you have stuck it out um but everybody who watched really appreciate it hope you have a great weekend stay healthy wear your mask and uh we'll talk to you soon <laughs> <laughs> right uh hang on a second as i as i end <laughs>